Welcome to the 11th episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners. This podcast is a production of Startup Space, an entrepreneurship community building platform. I'm your host, David Panraj. In this podcast, we will speak with some of the leading voices in the field of inclusive entrepreneurship and learn from their best practices to apply in our own communities as practitioners. Today, we'll be speaking with Josh Mejia. Welcome, Josh. Thank you for having me, David. So let's start by just getting a little bit of background on your community and the programs that you have. Yeah, definitely. So um, I currently represent as the executive director of the Type B Economic Development Group here in Brownsville, Texas. It's the southernmost city of, of our great and beloved state. And uh, like I mentioned, we do economic development. We focus a whole lot on quality of life, but more importantly, human capital attainment and development here. Uh, we are the largest city in what is known as the Rio Grande Valley region. Again, that's the southernmost most part of, of the great state of Texas. And uh, we have a lot of interesting dynamics, a lot of unique challenges. We are border cities. Um, we have our neighbors south of us of the Rio Grande River with Mexico. And there's a lot of interwoven connectivity, not only uh, culturally, but politically as well. And, and I know we've been in, in the spotlight recently since possibly 2016, maybe even before that in terms of, of the dynamics of what's going on in the border. But I'm very happy to, to be able to work here. I'm, I'm a proud uh, native of Brownsville, left Brownsville to, to work at Tyler, Texas, the northern eastern part of the state. And, uh, and I came down to, you know, to actually settle down and get married, start a life and be able to work from the private to the public sector. So we, we've had a very interesting journey since uh, 2016 revolving economic development and, and actually what we call now the entrepreneurship led economic development strategies here in South Texas. Can you elaborate a little bit more about programs you have specifically for entrepreneurship? Yeah, so since 2016, there has been a keen interest in our community um, to be able to focus a little bit more on the local businesses. And at first, the, the request was very general. Uh, we were undergoing a transition both politically and administratively in terms of leadership. And so I was tasked to initiate as a consultant and also as a, as a small business development coordinator uh, to be able to provide an, an asset map of, of what exactly were some of the resources that were available in, in the city of Brownsville. And, and through that research, we actually developed a variety of flagship projects and programs and resources available not only for our community, but for the entire region. And now for folks that are looking into expanding their ventures from outside of the region, whether they're in the state, in the country, or outside of the country. And and, and long story short, we've actually concluded to, to some of these uh, several key programs. One of them, we, you know, we provide a lot of incentives for a lot of the capital investments and job creation that happens in our historic downtown. We are the second most historic city in the state. So with historic cities come buildings that are not up to code that require a little bit more of a capital investment. And so we provide incentives for that. We provide rent subsidies. Uh, we have what's called the eBridge. Uh, program, as well as the eBridge Center for Business and Commercialization. So in that center itself, we provide all the fundamental resources that you would find in, in the cities such as Silicon Valley and, and, uh, and Austin, Texas, New York City for those startup ventures that are looking into scaling up 
we've actually been able to consolidate a lot of those resources in our community and we provide those both educational capital attainment um, skills training as well within this center in addition to a variety of other you know programs that we offer as an economic development group we can also do traditional job creation incentives as well uh, targeted infrastructure for the medium to small enterprises that are looking into coming into the area we've even invested into what we call the new space ventures which is the privatization of, of space exploration and some of the startups that are arising from, from that area, since we have a lot of buzz that's being created here in Brownsville, Texas with SpaceX. So as you can already imagine, since 2016, we've, we've evolved and tailored ourselves very uniquely uh, to be able to help out a lot of the current businesses that we have, but also be able to retain the human capital that we have by providing them with these opportunities to create something special here. Let's talk a little bit about the community that you serve. Can you give me a little bit more color around what does your entrepreneurship ecosystem look like and the entrepreneurs themselves that you serve? So Brownsville's history um, is revolves around entrepreneurship. You know, the, the settlers that started this, uh, this community here and founded the great city of Brownsville were all entrepreneurs. They, they wanted to take advantage of all the geographical assets of being right next to the border and being right next to the sea, the Gulf of Mexico. And so throughout history, you know, we've seen a lot of great ventures that have come out of this area. We've seen trade boom. Uh, not too long ago, we were just talking about uh, the NAFTA agreements with the UK consulate of Houston. And now we're talking about USMCA as well and, and new free trade agreements that are being developed between the UK and, and the US. So trade is still a very prominent activity here, but our community, I would say in the past maybe 20, 30, 35 plus years, uh, we've seen a lot of uh, the brain drain effect happening where a lot of the, the great kids and, uh, and young adults that come out of the area and work into you know, these bigger cities where they might offer them a certain you know, type of job that they're looking for in a specific field that they've aspired to work in. And uh, they've developed great ventures. So it, it's almost like, there, there started to be a, this notoriety that in order to find or create these opportunities, you had to leave these, this region that we live in. And so we've been trying to, to be able to identify and implement some of the resources and programs that would put a plug on that leak. And so in a predominantly Hispanic culture, um, we, we saw this very tight challenge that was occurring where, you know, the, the Hispanic community was very family oriented. So a lot of these families, you know, they found it very difficult to let go of their children and go out and, and study abroad and study out of the region and be able to pursue these careers. And, and now by providing this foundational capacity to be able to create opportunities through entrepreneurship, we've actually seen a regression of, of that brain leakage that, that we've had. So we have a variety of, of businesses from your small mom and pop shops, online stores, um, and even service-oriented industry or businesses that service the key industries of our area. So, you know, we're in the cusp of something very unique here, and, and we're building off of the buzz that's being created by all the great news that is coming out of our area. So what got you inspired to get into economic development and supporting the small business community? I think it's fair to say that working in the public sector and, and especially working in economic development uh, was not my first choice. 
going into to college, um, just like every other kid at the time, you know, I, I had aspirations to become uh, a neurosurgeon actually, and go into you know pre med programs and and be able to graduate and be able to practice medicine. But life hit me pretty hard back when I when I turned nineteen, and so I decided to. Uh, pursue a career in in business administration because I felt that that was the it, it was in my blood already. My my family are they're they're you know merchants and entrepreneurs themselves. So I felt that it was a natural <laughs> second option for me to to choose and pursue and and so that kind of got me going into business administration. I actually landed while I was in college in a in a startup um, that focused a whole lot in marketing and public relations. And coincidentally enough, the, the company itself started um, working specifically in the public sector and they outgrew the area and they actually expanded into Tyler, Texas, where we got to service a lot more of, of the clients in the public sector, such as transportation, regional authorities, um, county governments, as well, municipalities. And then back in 2015, it was acquired by a much larger government relations firm. And, and that's where I really dove into economic development because we had some clients that, that did economic development in South Texas. So I found a, a natural connection going back home. And uh, I, I remember working in a specific project in Brownsville where they were actively pursuing you know, space exploration technologies, which is you know commonly known as SpaceX. And I felt that you know, economic development was so unique in, in a way where you almost serve as a facilitator of, of opening up economic opportunities for folks here in, in the country. So I told myself, you know, if, if there was a job opportunity that opened up in Brownsville, I will take it in a heartbeat. And I did. And, and I found it back in 2016. 2016 was a very interesting year. Got married, finished building my home, had my first child and started my new job in Brownsville. And and since 2016, I've I've fallen in love again with my community and, and this new lens that I put on, um, seeing things from a different perspective. So that's that's kind of where I've landed in in economic development and being able to work with human capital has been very very uh, it's been a very fruitful experience for me personally. Let's talk about uh, the geographical location of Brownsville and. Mm -hmm. uh, the demographics, right? I think over 80% of the population is Hispanic. That's right. And also uh, there's a lot of political rhetoric uh, during this election season. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, from conversations we've had with other communities that immigrants and communities that have a large uh, population of immigrants tend to have a lot of barriers to starting businesses. And then on top of that, we've also seen that immigrants uh, typically tend to start businesses at a higher rate than the general population. So given that uh, there is such a focus on immigrants and with the political climate, what kind of barriers have you encountered personally, but also that you've heard stories from uh, in your community that you've actively looked to address? That's, that's a very, very good question. And, and I really do appreciate you asking that. I, I will be very frank in, in my responses. Um, the the border from Brownsville all the way to San Diego or San Isidro is uh, has gotten a lot of negative PR for 
a large amount of time. I'm trying to remember the exact year, but definitely before 2016. And what comes with with that uh, rhetoric is a lack of of a complete visual and contextual understanding of what exactly is going on in the border. And, and it's been a challenge for local stakeholders to be able to address some of these uh, stigmas outside of the area to be able to open up some new economic opportunities. But since the spotlight has shifted a bit and has now focused a bit more on the up and coming economic development opportunities in the area, it seems like we've been able to build up on some traction to be able to change that around. In terms of the politics, the politics are still very active. Our political climate is still very volatile, both in D.C. and, and in the state as well, when it comes to the perception that, that, that we all have towards the, the valley and the border area. And what that has resulted is in, in, in an increase of fear in terms of how flexible an illegal immigrant can pursue both educational opportunities and job opportunities as well as uh, entrepreneurship opportunities. However, the the area Brownsville, Texas and, and the entire Rio Grande Valley has a history of resiliency that has been untold in a lot of different mediums, both nationally and, and statewide. And so we're capitalizing on that. Um, as you mentioned, David, the the entrepreneurs that come from, they're either first generation illegal uh, immigrants that are in the country or children of illegal immigrants that came into the country. They have a tendency of opening up or creating their own opportunities. And we've seen that. And some of the challenges and barriers that, that we've seen, some physical barriers, is the inability for some of these business owners to expand past the uh, border checkpoints that are set up in our area. We have two border checkpoints, one north of Laredo in Texas and one in Sarita, Texas, which is heading towards uh, Robstown, Corpus Christi to San Antonio. But through the power of, of the internet and being able to address some of the broadband connectivity infrastructure issues that we've had, we, we're starting to change that notion and, and we're starting to tell folks that scalability in terms of the business is a very realistic objective here in our area. And uh, through the power of the internet, the worldwide market is wide available for them. And so we've started to see a lot of success, believe it or not, in being able to address those uh, perceptions of what they can and cannot do in the area in terms of entrepreneurship. And it has been very, very successful. And I've got some very, very cool stories to share in regards to, to that objective and and th through that strategy that our organization has been successful in accomplishing. I would love to hear a couple of those stories. Yeah, so I can I can bring one up. Um, so one of our close, close uh, friends of the economic development organization has been Jen Ziano. Um, her and her partner had been, they're, they're you know, first time or first generation uh, children of illegal uh, parents, uh, you know, with time, their parents have been able to obtain the residencies and, you know, Jen Ziano herself is, is a DACA um, individual in our country. And she's been a, a very good uh, citizen of our community. 
And she was so passionate about the Latinx community back in 2016, where, as we mentioned earlier, the political climate was just very volatile. And, you know, certain comments were made to the Latinx community and that just resonated. So that that drove her passion to be able to express her her emotions and sentiment towards the political climate with a simple message on a t-shirt and uh, which was the Latina power t-shirt that, that she created. And she opened up a shop online. I believe it was through Shopify at the time. She partnered up with other third parties such as Etsy. And uh, she released this shirt expecting that only, you know, her inner circle was going to go ahead and, and purchase as, as a form of support. And before you knew it, all these amazing Latinx celebrities in, in the country started buying the shirt, promoting the shirt on social media. And all of a sudden she was encountered with a large community of supporters that resonated with her message and were craving for a lifestyle brand that best represented the Latinx community. And so Jen formally created what's now called Gen Ziano Designs. And we've been able to help her in address some of the challenges that we face here in the community when it comes to access to capital. Uh, within her first year, she was able to obtain revenue streams of over half a million dollars. So we knew she was in a very special situation and we wanted to be able to foster that so that she can continue scaling, continue learning about what it meant to have venture capitalists invest in her in her business. And we also helped her in being able to uh, address the logistics and manufacturing side of, of her operations so that she can properly scale up in the community. And she's one of those that is in a trajectory where I personally think uh, has the potential to being something like Yeti um, up in Austin, which has a lifestyle brand of its own that suits those out outdoorsmen. And, uh, and she's consistently growing. She's one of those individuals, very, I, I think it's what I call personally the, the immigrant uh, mentality, which is that desire and increased hunger of, of creating opportunities, of, of going and breaking these barriers to continue to find new levels of success and to be able to tailor ourselves to, to that growth is something that you don't typically find in traditional economic development. And so IEDC was very gracious enough to recognize that and uh, we're working closely with them to be able to share some of these best practices and strategies moving forward. Yeah, that's an amazing story. Now, when we talk about barriers, there is, of course, the fear uh, that could come from just lack of information. So there's the disinformation campaigns that you have to kind of get ahead of. But there's also real challenges around access to capital. There's uh, real challenges uh, related to just the know-how of navigating the business permitting and the business setup process. And then there is the challenges, there are the challenges around go-to-market. Uh, of course, the internet has kind of helped with some of that, but there are several different barriers that immigrant communities uniquely face, uh, primarily due to either lack of information or misinformation. Uh, then there is the language barrier. With all of these different challenges, uh, you know, it's really heartening to hear these kind of stories. But could you give our practitioners who are listening to this podcast a little bit more insights into specific programs that you have launched in the community to help immigrants, specifically the ones that have these barriers, any programs that you have introduced that have kind of helped them navigate these challenges? Yeah, definitely, David. Um, 
there's there's two programs that come into mind right off the bat uh, after that question was asked, and one of the key programs that we launched uh, fairly recently is called the Startup Texas program. And folks that are interested in this program can either go to brownsleyedc.org or startuptexas.com to learn a little bit more about what that program's about. Uh, but under our state stature as a Type B Economic Development Group here in Brownsville, Texas, uh, we were able to allocate $100,000 of, of our organization for this pre-seed program, which through the partnership of a regional university that's part of the UT system, we were able to identify either nascent businesses or startup ventures that have a high factor of scalability within our current environment. And uh, not only with our current environment, but also have the capacity to be able to import and export, um, whether that was here with our physical international ports of entry, uh, but also at a global scale through the power of the internet. And so we, we created this uh, $100,000 fund and we were gonna select five businesses that uh, through a panel of judges, we're going to be winners of at least $20,000 um, in pre-seed funding that would specifically be used to allow these businesses to reach that next level of, uh, of new markets that they're looking for, which would ultimately increase revenue, uh, increase uh, production, possibly increase jobs as well. A lot of factors were were identified as as part of the uh, the judging panel's responsibility to see. And one of the things that we also did, which was key to this whole process, was to eliminate politics out of the whole entire program. So we made it very clear, and we we stood our ground very firmly that we were not going to have any elected officials in the judging panel. And as an elected official, uh, you could already imagine that we had a lot of folks that just you know put up a frown they they wanted to get some of that of that glory and recognition but uh, they all understood thankfully that uh, the business community was best to work with the business community itself uh, because they saw things in, in their lens and so in addition to some of the prominent business leaders that were also included in our judging panel we also sent out invitations to uh, venture capitalist firms that were starting to make a shift into the pre-seed funding phase. And thankfully, we had two uh, VC firms from the state of Texas that uh, participated with us and were able to also offer um, any new funding opportunities to them in addition to our, our $20,000 um, proceeds that, that we had allocated for the program. And so Startup Texas was actually a, a good way to almost partner up with these ventures that want and be able to help them scale up, provide necessary mentorship in both the private sector, which included the, the access to capital, uh, but also the public sector, which um, the city, the city of, of Brownsville was able to help facilitate, you know, what their expansion needs were in, in from the public sector aspect. And so that has been proven to be very successful. Actually, you know, Genziano Designs was, was one of those winners. Uh, we've had a lot, of, a lot of other winners as well from um, outside of the city of Brownsville, really, who are looking into this new space or aerospace field and some of the energy companies from Mexico that were looking into expanding into the area. 
So, so that was one of the programs that that I can think about right now that actually address the uh, access to capital challenge that was very prominent in our entire region. The other one revolved more on on the skills training. Now, I, I talked previously about how we had a dip in entrepreneurship activities here, even though we had a rich history of entrepreneurship in the area. But with that dip comes a lack of skills from business owners and entrepreneurs uh, to successfully understand what it takes to not only start a business, but properly run it and properly scale it up. And so we, we've identified through our partnerships um, certain workshops that were actually driven and run by the prominent business owners in our area to be able to help those that were trying to get some traction with their businesses. So it was a very unique mentorship model combined a little bit with some of the, uh, the ed higher educational institution uh, training that was being provided. Uh, but it was also a lot of handholding from the public sector too, including our organization, uh, to be able to just at least track their growth and progression and, and really have them at arm's length to be able to, to identify some of the opportunities as economic developers to help them grow to that next level. So both of them were very crucial, the education, skills training, as well as the uh, access to capital. And it's, and it's proven to be very successful uh, to the point where, as I mentioned, um, other entrepreneurs outside of the area have seen the benefits of it and, and are now looking into Brownsville for setting up their shops. Oh, that's awesome. So tell me what's next for Brownsville. It looks like you guys have uh, figured out or are in the process of figuring out a lot of these challenges for immigrant entrepreneurs. What's next for you all? Well, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that we've been able to, to address some of the challenges that the immigrant community has faced really has been a good model for non-immigrants also to, to take advantage of these programs. I, I think the, the foundational resources and processes that are in place are really for the benefit of both immigrant and non-immigrant communities. And, and I think... Uh, just being, it's almost like that, that saying, right? Like if, if you really want to learn something different, you know, aspire for the difficulties or, or be comfortable being uncomfortable so that you get to a point where you're, un that you're comfortable enough to be able to practice this new area of expertise that you want to pursue. And to be able to address a lot of these foundational challenges has, has proven to me as, as also a consultant uh, to be able to help other communities across the state when it comes to learning what their area uh, challenges are in terms of entrepreneurship and being able to to make those connections with with their history and with emerging industries as well. And so for, for Brownsville itself, I think we're at the cusp of something very special uh, because we've found bridges and connections with emerging industries, existing industries, geographical benefits to do business here and the small business and the entrepreneurs that are coming out of our area. Um, enough attention has been brought forth to this that other entrepreneurs are looking into expanding or transitioning into our area so that they can also start their ventures. So one of the phrases that I kick out and, and my team gets a kick out of this all the time is that we really want to be seen as the entrepreneurial focal center south of San Antonio 
that is aiding in the diversification of the Texas economy. And, and we're doing that in a very geographically blessed area where we have a multimodal means of trade. We have land, rail, sea, road, as well as aerospace now through SpaceX and their first ever commercial um, space site or, or launch center. And so, you know, we, we are just the best that we can do for practitioners is to always be at the front lines and always listen. Um, I think that's probably the, the key attribute that we look for is for listeners and and to be able to understand the needs of the community by listening so that we can have programs that are relevant and that best aligned with the challenges that they're facing on a day-to-day basis. So if you had to give our practitioners one piece of advice specifically focused around how they can bring similar programs, especially to communities that have large immigrant populations or underrepresented communities. What is one piece of advice you'll give them to put this kind of a setup in place to help them? I think the best piece of advice that I can give just based on the experience that I've, that I've had as a consultant and as an economic developer in Brownsville is that you, you first, you have to, break the general perception that entrepreneurship is all about finding the next Steve Jobs, finding the next Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos in your community. Entrepreneurship is is way more than that. Those are great success stories, not to undermine the success that they've had, but entrepreneurship really is all around us. Um, listening is one of the best attributes that you can have as a practitioner and to be able to find ways to connect and get to a trust level where entrepreneurships are willing to share with you exactly what are some of those challenges that they're facing it is really key to be able to create programs that really drive engagement moving forward. Um, I think that that allows practitioners to be able to be dynamic in their practice and be able to shift and change based on the, the wins that they're starting to see in their community. Um, one of the you know, cities that, that I work with, I remember a practitioner very well mentioned to me, you know, we, our stakeholders are really asking for entrepreneurship programs um, in our community, but, but I just don't see it. Um, I, I don't see the entrepreneurship activities like I'm seeing in, in my larger neighbors. I don't think we have an attraction pool um, I just, I don't think these, that these programs are successful. And, and the first question that I asked was, okay, um, let me ask you just a very random question. You might think it's random, but for me, there's, there's a, there's a direction that this answer is probably going to lead me to. Do you have a, a farmer's market that is going on in your community on Saturdays or Sundays, maybe even Fridays as well? And the individual said, yeah, we actually do have a farmer's market. If you're in the area, I would be more than happy to show you. And I said, well, if, if you really pay close attention, you know, those folks in your farmer's market are probably the entrepreneurs that are generating the activity that you're looking for. And those entrepreneurs might know other entrepreneurs that are in different fields and practices that might also be generating some activity in your community. So the best thing that you can do is just to take the backseat drive around, go to these types of events, 
see what's going on, see what are some of the challenges, and you'd be surprised. Maybe some of these folks will tell you that the cost of living is way better in the community that they're in, and they just want to be able to have opportunities to scale up their businesses instead of having to move somewhere else. That's something that that we got to see here in our area. And again, as I mentioned, the the prominent Hispanic demographic here has very, very strong family ties. And as much as these kids wanted to pursue their opportunities outside of the area, deep inside of them, I am 100% sure that they wish they had those same opportunities from the hometown that they're in. And that's something that we took advantage of. Yeah, no, that is that is brilliant. And uh, I'm hoping that through your story, several other uh, cities can kind of put these programs in place uh, to support immigrant communities. We ourselves at Startup Space work in several immigrant communities, and we believe that entrepreneurship is the best path to creation of wealth for their families and also, and also to break generational poverty or the cyclical poverty uh, that we have seen in these communities. And so we are uh, very thankful to have you on our show today, Josh. We look forward to continuing to track your progress and we would love to have you uh, come back at a later date to share about some of the programs that you had mentioned. But before you go, we would love to uh, hear a quick soundbite on how our practitioners can follow your community and follow your work. Yeah, definitely. And, and David, I, I thank you once again for allowing me to even share some of our stories here in, in your podcast. And, and uh, folks that are interested in what our economic development organization is doing, uh, they can go to brownsvilleedc.org. Um, that's Echo Delta Charlie after brownsville.org. And, uh, you know, folks can follow me as well on Twitter. I, I try to share a lot of, of best practices on there. I, my LinkedIn profile is also available. Um, like I mentioned, I do consulting work. You'd be surprised. A lot of my work comes uh, pro bono because <laughs> I'm so passionate about the entrepreneurship-led economic development work in my state as well as outside of, of the state of Texas. So even if it's just, you know, a question, you want to pick my brain or or you just want to be able to even vent, you know, some of the challenges that are happening, um, I'm always available to to listen and provide some sort of uh, what I hope is sound advice to be able to move forward in some of these communities. So we're very excited. We we wish you all the very best. And, and, uh, and I thank you very much again for your time. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners hosted by David Ponrush. Special thanks to Josh Mejia for joining us. Cover art by show manager and creative director Mackenzie Dial Fritcher. Edited and produced by Lauren Bernard. If you'd like to suggest interviewees, new topics, or just want to reach out, please email us at podcast at startupspace.app. All Breaking Down Barriers episodes are available on our website, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe for all the latest updates.